Welcome to The Lamb and the Scroll, where we unpack scripture using the rich tradition of the church. I'm your host, John Brayer, and in this episode, I'm joined by Giovanni to discuss a passage from the Gospel of Luke. Thanks for joining me today for The Lamb and the Scroll. I'm joined by uh, one of my good friends and colleagues, Giovanni. Uh, first of all, Giovanni, could you introduce our, yourself to uh, the listeners? Yeah, my name's uh, Giovanni Vitale, uh, born and raised in Michigan area. Um, I'm married to my wonderful wife, Lauren, and we have uh, five wonderful children. Um, currently, I am the uh, youth minister over at Divine Child. Um, I am also a master's level psychologist and work full time for um, a company called Centria Healthcare doing um, autism assessments. Um, so that's, that's me for right now. <laughs> Awesome. Well, th- again, thanks for joining me today. Um, you're certainly a great uh, inspiration to many people in your work at, as youth minister. So I was really excited when you were willing to come and talk a little bit, not only about your faith journey, uh, but particularly about one passage from scripture. Um, so I, I've been interviewing people, asking them what their favorite verse or passage was. Could you tell us what verse or passage you chose and then just jump right in and read it? Yeah, I chose uh, Luke 12. Uh, 49 and I'm going to go to 53. Uh, maybe you'd cut it off shorter, but, but for the, for the discussion today, let's go to 53. Um, so the section, at least in my Bible is called Jesus, uh, a cause of division. I have come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already blazing. There is a baptism with which I must be baptized. And how great is my anguish until it is accomplished? Do you think that I have come to establish peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For now, on a household of five will be divided three against two and two against three. A father will will be divided against his mother and a son against his father, a mother against her daughter and a daughter against her mother, and a mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And end quote there. Um, so, you know, I, you, I'm sure you can obviously tell why I chose this. It gives you nice, nice warm uh, butterflies when I read it, doesn't it? <laughs> nice warm feelings. Um, lovely, lovely piece of scripture right there. <laughs> well, there is some warmth in it with the fire, but other yeah. than that, I don't know how much. Yeah, that's the, that that's my that's my main um those first two those first two lines um especially the first one. I have come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already blazing. Um just to jump into it, when I was in high school, I went to um many Steubenville conferences and I can't remember which one. I can't remember who said it, but I remember hearing that line. And when I heard it, it kind of lit a, a fire in my soul. Like I heard it and I was like, I, I, could, I, I could hear the zeal, um, I think is a good word to, to put it. I could hear the zeal of, of Christ and his desire to, to have us, his desire that um, that we would reform our lives and be devoted entirely to him. Um, and I would say that's kind of, you know, I had a strong faith relationship before that, but when I heard that line, it really um, moved in me and things started working and changing in my life. 
I don't mean to segue too much away from this verse. So we'll come back to it in just a minute. But just in case people aren't familiar, what, what do you mean when you say Steubenville conferences? What are those? Oh, Steubenville conferences, wonderful youth conferences. Um, usually um, they have them all across the country. We've always, um, I've always gone to the ones that are in Steubenville, Ohio. And it is a huge festival of, um, of speakers, world-renowned speakers, of youth from all across the country. Usually each conference has about two to 4,000 youth there um, and wonderful music and Eucharistic adoration is at the center of it all um, and a ton of confessions. The confession line, it's like if you're going to Cedar Point, those are like the confession lines. You got to, you want to get the fast pass. <laughs> so. All right. Awesome. So let's go and get back to the verse um, that you were starting with, which was 49. Um, I think frequently people have in mind when they think of Jesus, maybe not frequently, but more frequently, there's this image of Jesus that is being thrown around as like the, maybe you might call him the hippie Jesus, like the yeah. lucky, like just kind of lovey-dovey Jesus. This is not an example of lovey-dovey Jesus and is actually a counterexample to the hippie Jesus. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. He is, he's kind of laying it down in this. He is revealing himself. Um and his desire for the earth. And, but he's also saying that it's not going to be easy. Like, I'm just not going to come and be like, oh, here's peace on earth. Like, it's not going to be that. Um, it's, it's kind of signaling that we all have free will. And God's not going to go against our free will. So that for change to happen, um, there needs to be a, a death. Um, to ourselves. There needs to be that conversion. And other people in our life aren't going to be at the same spot that we are. And we can't, we can't, they have their own free will and we can't change that free will in them. So we are going to have divisions. We are going to have fights against our, our parents, against our siblings, against our friends, um, those closest to us, especially if we're going to have an intimate relationship with Christ. Yeah, can you talk about that a little bit more? Because that gets into one of the parts of this passage that is uh, can be a little shocking, which is the idea that households are going to be divided. What 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 is Jesus talking about there? Yeah, um, just to go back to what I've I've already said, he he is talking about um, he's he is talking about free of that free will. Like I believe in Christ, so I'm going to live my life differently, and that change that devotion to Christ that um that I might not do things the same way that you've always wanted me to do because I'm following Christ now. Um, this could be, you know, I've I've seen um and I've heard it, you know, maybe you have a vocation to the priesthood or religious life and your family frowns like like frowns upon that. They're like, why would you waste your life doing that? I sent you to, you know, a fine Catholic school so you could become a doctor and lawyer, not, not a priest. Um, you know, I've definitely heard that story before. Um, or those who, who might be like, oh, you know, I really want to um, give, you know, to sell this thing that I have so I can give it, give more money to the poor. And the parents are like, but that was a Christmas present. And we spent so much on that. And the, the you know, and they want to live this different radical life. Um, and they might face that opposition from, from their family. Um, 
you know, or even the example of, um, I, and I've heard a, a teen once um, quite heartbroken by the fact that they wanted to go on a mission trip. They wanted to give up the first year of college and do a mission trip instead. And the parents were like, no way, you need to go right into college. Um, and that was a source of contention in that family as well. So, you know, it's, I'm sure in the first century, it was much different than today, but these divisions are still taking place. Um, so, yeah. It's interesting as you were talking there and going through a couple different scenarios, like people were popping into my mind of like people that I know or yeah. saints, like St. Francis of Assisi is a great example um, of that, right? And, and there are so many examples um, throughout history of people who have been in that or in those situations. Yeah. And I guess even more specifically for you and I, I'm a new father. You've, you've been a father for several years now, but that's such a um, frightening thought that our kids, if we don't raise them right, are going to be, you know, set against us because they're focused more on Jesus than we are. So that's a, it's a terrifying thought for me is, you know, yeah. making sure my house is in order. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to, um, we as parents, and I don't want to jump into like our role as parents, but we as parents really need to, reflect on what is God's will for my children. Um, and, you know, it, it, we might, we might be like on the other end, you know, we, we're, we're looking at our children and be like, wow, I got, I got four boys at home. Um, I would love to see at least uh, three of them become priests. Um, but that might not be God's will. God's will might be that they all become loving fathers. And even though we might encourage them to go on, you know, um, discernment weekends or whatever, that might not be God's will. So, we, we need, always need to be making sure that um, what appears to be the holiest thing in our, in our mind is, um, is what God really wants. Yeah, I even go back to the example that you posed earlier of the teen who wanted to go on the mission. I don't know all the, like any of the details beyond what yeah. you shared, but I think you're right that at the center of that conversation, ideally you've got what's God's will for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it is doing the year of mission work, then okay, let's figure it out. But it's very possible that that might not have been God's will, right? So that's that's got to be at the center of the discussion. Right? Yeah. Well, and you even if you look at the lives of the saints, and like Padre Pio comes to mind. Um, I know there are a few others, um, even Saint Teresa Lisieux, um, where they would propose something to a bishop, and the bishop would be like, "No, <laughs> like you're not doing this. Be obedient." And you know, some of the saints would pester a little bit more than others. But those saints were always obedient to the bishop. Um, the saint thought that asking the bishop was God's will, um, but the bishop maybe was convinced at the end, maybe he wasn't. Um, but they understood that obedience is like the primary virtue, um, as long as being obedient doesn't mean like violating God's law. So, Right. And there I'm reminded of the... Uh of the, the the line from the early church where the bishop is there is the catholic church as well yeah and you're right it's not blind obedience because if your bishop's mm-hmm. telling you to do something that contradicts natural law that god's revealed that that's obviously a problem but uh, but there is certainly an idea of obedience uh, and that's we find that in the commandments too right that there's yep. an idea of obedience to parents obedience to god uh, and that's something that's super important yeah you know and um even you know when when you first asked me to to speak it was a few months ago and I, I picked this verse out and I wrote down a lot of comments. 
and then, you know, reflecting and we come to the day that we're actually going to do it and we're all on lockdown now. <laughs> and you, you kind of see the things that are happening in the world. And, you know, when you hear about the fire, you think about um, the purifyingness, the struggle, um, you know, the, the taking away all those um, defects from, from, from a metal, like the, the purifyingness of it. Um, and, you know, we're in this middle of this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, and um, I can't help but think that, you know, this could be a time of major conversion for a ton of people. Um, at the same point, it could also be a time of major depression. It could be a time of terrible sin. Um, and it really matters what we, what we do with this. Like if we choose to take this time and use it as this time of purification, um, we could come out of it a blazing and a strong, more stronger church than ever. Um, I heard a story on the news um, yesterday, I believe. It was a man. Um, he wasn't uh, Catholic, but his family was Catholic. He went to many masses his whole life, um, just, be, just out of blind, you know, I'm going to go with my family. And so he gets this, um, he gets this disease, this virus, he's in the hospital and the mass is on and he's watching the mass on TV. And he said, it was like the first time I ever listened to the mass and he had a complete conversion there in the hospital. He says, as soon as I'm coming out, I'm getting baptized and I'm becoming Catholic. Like, this man who's been going, he's been in the presence of Christ in the Eucharist at Mass, has no effect, but finally he gets crippled and crushed, and he can finally see it through the television. We're all complaining that we have to be, be um, have this distance between you know the Blessed Sacrament through through media, and that's how God chose to speak to him. Like, you know, we. And I'm sure they're, hopefully, I'm praying. That's one of my biggest prayers right now for the conversion of sinners. Um, hopefully these conversions are taking place. Um, and I believe that they are. Yeah, and I think that's incumbent upon all of us, since we are all sinners, to continue yeah. our ongoing conversion, right? And yeah. I was reminded of uh, the story of Joseph as you were talking there. Um, you know, Joseph easily could have looked at his circumstances, sold into slavery, and, and said, uh, like, woe is me. But no, he he kept doing God's will and because of that was able to save many, many people and even reflected on that at the mm -hmm. end of his, uh, his life saying what you meant for, for evil, God meant for good. And I recently heard uh, Bishop Barron say um, something that really kind of caught my attention. He said, no Hitler, there's no Edith Stein, no Hitler, yeah. there's no Maximilian Kolbe. And he quickly followed that up by saying, obviously that does not mean that the Holocaust is a good thing. You know, like obviously not. It was an awful, awful thing. Mm -hmm. But it's out of these traumatic um, scenarios that saints can be born. Yeah. Um, and again, that doesn't mean that the bad things are then good, but that God can work good from bad. You know, and uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe, any of this time, but Maximilian Kolbe in particular is one of my favorite saints. And um, I could do a whole talk on him, and I have a few times. <laughs> um, but it, I, I would hesitate to say that, um, that like, these adversities are when saints are born, but 
in these times of adversity, it's when they, they make their appearance. Like if you read the life of St. Maximilian Kolbe, he was a very holy man, um, you know, when he had his conversion at, at, as, as a youth. Um, you know, he was, he was a saint before the Holocaust. Like, That's a, a good clarification. You know, so, you know, we need, you know, us who are Catholic and during this time of adversity, we need to um, take it to the next level and um, really find ways to evangelize. And, um, you know, if I, I don't want to seem proud, um, but really become saints today, like it, during this adversity. Um, we, we've, we've been training for this, you know. I'm sure if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, God has touched you in some way, unless your parents are forcing you to listen right now. Um, so you, you're kind of like, these are your marching orders, like go out and do it. Um, and just to, to keep on going through the scripture, going to verse 40. Um, I think this is this line is very fitting, especially during Lent and for what's coming next week with uh, um, Good Friday. At least that's when we're recording this right now. Um, the, um, Christ says, there is a baptism with which I must be baptized and how great my anguish until it is accomplished. Like his anguish, this baptism, he's talking about his death. He's talking about his resurrection. Like it's not going to be easy for us. It's going to require each and every one of us to die to ourselves, to go through this fire. Um, but we're going to come out. We're going to come out so much stronger with it. Um, and we're going to become those saints that, um, that he wants us to be. Absolutely. I think that actually might be a good place for us to, to wrap things up. Would you mind leading us in a prayer as we uh, bring this to a close? Maybe a prayer for either individuals or for families as we um, struggle in this time, like you said, to become saints, because that's no low bar, right? no. <laughs> high bar that we're setting. It's a high bar that we're setting, but it's also um, the bar that's required of us. Like, you know, you might be like, oh, I can never be a saint, but that's what God's calling you to be. Everyone listening to this is called to be a saint. Like it's, we, we say it so frequently, um, we kind of brush it off, but like, it's, it's an amazing thing. Anyway, um, let's begin in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this podcast and the gift of, of John. Um, thank you for all those who are listening. Um, we give you praise, glory, honor, um, and we worship you, Lord Jesus. We pray for all those who are affected by the pandemic, all those who are fighting it, um, all those who are struggling, those who are depressed, anxious, worried. Uh, be with them, comfort them, guide them. Bring us all closer to your warm and loving heart. Help us to have a new appreciation for the scriptures. Um, help us to have a deeper appreciation for your church and her sacraments. Um, and just always bring us closer to you, Lord. We ask all of these prayers through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And uh, St. John Paul the Great, pray for us. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Giovanni, thanks so much for taking time to talk to me today. I appreciate it. Anytime.